0: What's going on, guys? Welcome into another episode of the How To Be A Realtor podcast. Tony Acosta here with you, your host as always. Thank you wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Hope you're having a tremendous day. Guys, today's episode topic is one that once you figure this out, everything basically changes for your business. And it's one of those things that I feel like at this point, everybody knows we should be doing, but we don't. And in many cases, it's just... Because we're kind of pansies about it, which we're going to talk about, but massively, massively important episode today. But before we jump into that, I do want to give a huge shout out to our show sponsor, Gold Bar. Gold Bar is a real estate training platform designed with one goal in mind, and that is to make real estate super simple. Their proprietary three-stage training process provides agents with the confidence and certainty they need to hit their goals. Their goal is to grow Gold Bar to 10,000 agents worldwide and become the gold standard in real estate training. So for more information about Gold Bar, visit goldbartraining.com. You can also hit up the link in the episode description and find out all about what they've got going on. Tremendous systems, everything you need to know to grow your real estate business, they've got it. So thank you, Gold Bar, for sponsoring our podcast. So let's get into this topic of digital domination. And I know that that is an extremely catchy title, which might be one of the reasons why you're here in the first place, but today we want to talk about leveraging social media for real estate success. When we talk about digital marketing, there's a lot of different ways to go about it, a lot of different platforms and ways and things, and do you do video, do you do audio, but I want to talk about specifically social media, content marketing on social media, how to do it, some do's and don'ts, this is probably the most common question that I get when I train My agents, it's about social media. How do you do it? What do you post? How to not post? And so let's get into it. So, before we jump into the actual nuts and bolts of the whole thing, I do want to just set the foundation, just talking about the transformative impact that not only social media has had on our industry, but that the internet has had on the world at large. Every single industry has been or will be disrupted by social media, and ours is absolutely no exception. If you think for one second that social media and the internet is not going to change our business and already has changed our business dramatically, you're living under a rock. I have nothing to say to you. I have no idea what you're talking about. I think at this point, it's pretty much widely accepted that this is here. It's here to stay and we need to do it. And especially in a world where because social media is taking so much of the attention of our consumers, we need to learn how to compete. We need to learn how to provide value in the same way that these other people do, that our consumers, that our prospective buyers and sellers are following. We need to be there. We need to be where the eyes are, where the attention is. And this is going to be difficult to grasp For some, especially my OGs in the industry, and I know people that feel this way, where they've been in the industry for a long time, and they've been doing things in a certain way for a long time, and they built their business pre-internet, so they know how to prospect pre-internet. They did radio. They did mailers. They did television. They did the door knocking. They did all these different things, and they got very good at them. And that has brought them success. That has brought them market share. And they continue to do that thing. Let's say, for example, radio. Radio has worked very well for them. They've built a business on the back of local radio. And they continue to do that. And they're often unwilling to pivot, not completely from radio, because that's tried and true. It has been working. But to adopt new methods and to do new things, sometimes it's difficult to do that because you feel like you've mastered a certain thing, be that radio, and now you have to jump in as a newbie to something different. And for a lot of folks, that's hard to consolidate. It's hard to start over on something that you don't understand when you've had success with something that you do. So if you are someone that has been in the industry for a while and you have alternative prospecting methods that work, I am not suggesting that you should stop doing that, especially if it's working. What I'm saying is that you should start the process of adding a digital marketing and social media strategy to your budget, to your plan, to your map, so that slowly as these platforms get more and more and more relevant, I would make the argument that they're The most relevant right now. But again, some people might disagree with that. As that grows, we need to be where the eyes are and where the attention is. So let's talk about the the first question that I often get, which is, Tony, I know that I want to do social media, but there's so many platforms. Should I do Facebook? Should I do Instagram? Should I do YouTube? TikTok is huge. Where should I play? What should I do? And the question comes often. And the answer is very simple. What I recommend is pick the platform that you use the most. Later on, we're going to talk about some of the differences and the nuances between platforms. But when you're new, one of the biggest mistakes that we can make is we overwhelm ourselves and we overwhelm ourselves because we want to do everything on day one. So we have all these platforms. We know that there's Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and LinkedIn and TikTok. And and we want to be everywhere. We want to do everything right at the beginning. That's very difficult to do. It takes teams and teams of people to be able to grow a personal brand all over the internet on all of these platforms. Maybe you'll get there. Maybe you won't. But when you start, just pick your favorite platform. That's going to be the easiest way to get started, build some momentum Build some habits so that later you can branch out to some of the other platforms that you're you're also going to want to play on, but here's where you want to start. So what is the platform that you use the most? If you find yourself on Instagram all day, start there. If you're a professional LinkedIn person, if you're a Facebook person, start there and don't overthink it. Don't worry about, well, it's because this one's cooler or that one. Just stay really basic. Start where you spend The most time. And when we talk about real estate at this point, the demographic that we're going to be looking for is going to be adults, right? Adults probably between the ages of 35 and 60. That's going to be, I think, the demographic of home buyers and home sellers. So at this point, there are adults basically on all of the platforms, including TikTok, So don't worry so much about, oh, where is the demographic? Where is is my audience? There are, your audience is on all the platforms to some degree. So I think that is safe to start because some of your people are going to be there. And as you expand, you'll be able to reach more and more individuals. So when it comes to choosing the right platform, just choose the one that works best for you. The one that you spend the most time on. And get started there, because what you want to do ultimately is you want to build a strong profile and a strong brand. And when you talk about branding, branding is one of those words that everybody uses, but nobody really knows what it means. And there's all these obscure concepts of like, oh, a brand is a feeling, or a brand is this or that, or it's not your logo, or it's not. And we often get confused about what a brand is. For me. Branding is very simple. It's very, very simple. When people think real estate, they think you. That's it. If you can do that, you have built a brand. You've built a brand. That's it. When I think about when somebody says nice, affordable cars, I think Hyundai because I love Hyundai. When somebody thinks best steakhouse I think Tucano's, Brazilian Steakhouse, my favorite place in the whole world, that's brand. That's immediately what comes to mind. So when you're building out your profiles and you're trying to increase your brand, that's all you're trying to accomplish. What you're trying to accomplish is this moment in time where the topic of real estate comes up with people at the dinner table or at an event or whatever it is, people hear real estate, they see your face. And the way you do that is through providing value, but also providing value consistently. People need to see you time and time and time again so that that brand becomes very, very strong. And if the brand is that you are an expert in real estate, you need to demonstrate that you are an expert in real estate so that then they can see you and identify you as the expert in real estate. So when we go out to build our brands and build these content strategies, that's what you need to think about. We need to create an appealing and professional social media profile. Now that's not to say that we can't show our lives or, you know, show kind of what happens behind the scenes. I actually think that that's a great idea But we always have to see it through the lens of, does this help my brand as a professional? And a professional can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. For everyone, it doesn't mean suit and tie professional all the time. Professional means different things for different people. So whatever that means for you, that's what you want to convey. And we'll talk about different ways that we can do that but that's what we want to convey. We want to define our unique brand and our message to stand out in this crowded digital space because I can tell you it's incredibly crowded in general, but the good thing is, and here's where the encouraging part, at least for me, was early on that most real estate agents and loan officers are terrible at this. They are awful at social media. Almost everyone sucks at this. Which presents opportunity because if you do it even a little bit right, you're going to be miles ahead of the competition, miles and miles and miles ahead. And I was just having a conversation about this the other day with a buddy of mine who is building these AI chat bots for prospecting. And I was saying most of the big players, I'm talking big players in real estate are older fifties, and sixties, late forties, fifties, and sixties, most of the top producers are going to be in that ballpark. You might see some anomalies here, like a 30 year old that is like crushing it, but most across the board, there's data to support this. Most top producers in real estate, late forties, fifties, and sixties, they're crushing it, but they didn't grow up with the internet and they don't understand this social media thing. They just don't. And as I mentioned previously, they have built their businesses on the back of traditional models. So a lot of them are hesitant to jump in because they're insecure. And so that provides massive, massive opportunity to be able to make a name for yourself in a space that at least from a digital landscape perspective is largely untapped. There are very few real estate agents providing actual value to people within a social media ecosystem. Most are just doing the same old stuff. And you guys know what it is. They're posting the just lists, they're posting the open house, they're posting the photo at closing, and that's it. That is the entire depth and scope of their social media strategy. And it doesn't work. And because that's all they do and they don't see results, they believe it doesn't work. So what do they do? They go back to what they're used to. They go back to the radio. They go back to TV. They go back to mailers because they have that figured out. And when they don't see a listing with every reel that they post, they get discouraged. So the bar is so low in our industry to be able to stand out through social that really anybody that puts a little bit of effort, consistent effort, is going to be able to stand out and do very, very well. But in order to do that, you're going to need a content strategy. It's not just posting random stuff. You really need to sit down and think about what are you going to share? And as you think about what you're going to share, the question that always has to be top of mind is this thing that I'm sharing, am I sharing it? Does it serve me or does it serve the community? For example... If I close on a home and I share that, does that provide value to the person on the other screen? Typically, it does not. I mean, people really don't care that you sold a house. They really don't. You might think that they do, but they really don't care. It serves us because it makes us feel like people get to see our success and they get to see that we're busy and they get to see all of these things. But in reality, people don't care. They don't engage with that kind of content. They just skip right through it and it doesn't really matter. So simply sharing the basics, simply sharing what you do in terms of here's my open house, here's my new listing is not enough. It's not enough. Now that's not to say that you can't do that. I do that but it's such a small percentage of my overall content strategy that most, I mean, it's there, but I'm posting so many other things that are valuable that when I share that, when I show that, it's just kind of the, the icing on the cake, if you will. The problem for agents is that those posts are not only the cake, it's the entire kitchen. It's the entire friggin' building. There's nothing else behind that. So what are some examples? What are some ideas Of content that you can post. The first one, very basic, very simple is education. That's kind of the low hanging fruit of you educating people on what this real estate process is all about. And you can do that through just data. You can do that through stories. You can do that through sharing the things that you have seen in the industry. But at the end of the day, it comes down to education. How do I teach you something? And when agents get super ambitious, they'll try to do this in the form of a market update, which a market update is fine, but there's only so many market updates that you can give. And so, if all you're doing is market updates every day, your content's going to be pretty stale. There has to be more. So some of the things that have worked really well for me outside of the education, although for me, I'm, I'm big on the education, right? That's where I've kind of built my thing as an educator, as someone that teaches people and gives people opportunities and talks about some of the not so frequently talked about things within the, the industry, but something that has really worked for, for me, at least when I got started was answering these questions, answering questions that people had. So what I started to do and back in the day all I did was Facebook videos. Instagram wasn't really that cool. It was just a photo app. I don't believe there were videos yet. This I'm talking back 2014, 2015. I started to become very mindful and conscious of the questions that people asked me. So whenever I was at a showing or at a closing or at a consultation, whenever I was any anywhere around real estate people, whether that be clients or lenders or title, anybody, I was always super mindful of questions. What questions did people have? And I would write those down. And then subsequently I would make a video answering the question. And I did that every day for years, years and years and years and years. And that was kind of my way to show my expertise To show my experience, to show people that I had the answers to these common questions. Because I figured if my buyer client had this question, there might be other people that have the same question. And that ended up being true. That's obvious. And so if you're struggling to find things to talk about, be mindful of the questions that you're being asked or the questions. That you wish people would ask, which I kind of figured out later. I started doing that later. As I saw things happen, as I started to have more experience of deals that went south or deals that got in trouble, I started to kind of retrace my steps and I started to come up with questions that I should have asked or things that the buyer or the seller should have been made aware of that perhaps they weren't because I was new Now I can talk about that. Now I have an experience that I can share and people can know what to watch out for. And so as you build this content strategy, you want to always have that in mind. Have that in mind. Does it actually provide value? Is this educational? And if it can be educational and entertaining, you've won. You've absolutely won. That's very hard to do. There are people that can entertain, they can be funny, or they can do TikTok dances, that can be entertaining, but they're not educational. And there are people that can be very educational, but they're super boring. Nobody wants to listen to them. And so it's not engaging. It's not entertaining. You want to find a way to create a combination of both that is unique to you. And as you do that, what's going to start happening is slowly but surely people are going to start engaging. As you start to figure this out, as you start to learn about hooks and how to engage people's attention and headlines and call to actions, people are slowly going to start paying attention, giving a comment, responding to a question, responding to a poll that you put on a story. And so what happens when that happens, when you get a comment, what do you do? And this would seem super basic, but we don't do this as agents. I've seen so many profiles where people will put a post, there are comments there and they don't respond. They don't engage with the audience. And so if you are not willing to engage when you have 87 followers What makes you think you're going to do that when you reach your self-imposed goal of a million, if you ever even get there, or 100,000 or 10,000? You're not going to be able to engage with thousands if you don't learn to engage with dozens. So anytime you get a comment, you respond every single time without fail without fail, you can't miss this. Everybody that leaves a comment gets a response and a thoughtful response, not just an emoji. So there are a lot of ways that even if you don't have tens of thousands of followers, you can still provide value. That's number one, what we just talked about engaging with your audience. Another thing that is very useful, but very few people do it because it makes them feel insecure, it's doing Q&A sessions, going live on these platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, pretty much every platform has the ability to go live at this point. But very few people do that because they're afraid of the zero. They're afraid that people aren't going to jump on your live, And so they don't use that tool out of insecurity. What I would say is you have to earn your audience. It's not just going to be given to you. You have to earn it. And so as people see that you're consistently going live every Thursday at five o'clock and you're answering questions and you give it a, a creative name to your show, that's the easiest way to start a show. Start what could end up being a podcast or a YouTube channel. And you answer questions and you talk about your week and you find thoughtful, respectful ways to discuss what is happening in your life. What are the deals that you are dealing with and what lessons can be extracted from those? Now, when you do that, you want to be thoughtful. You want to not include people's names or property addresses or names of agents. You want to keep it anonymous, but Even if you only have one deal, there are things that are happening within that deal that can be shared and it doesn't need to be for an hour. I would argue it shouldn't be for an hour. It can be 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But as people see that there's consistency, you'll start to build that brand and all of a sudden they'll tune in and they'll see it for a little bit and then they'll leave and then they'll come back. And then the next time they'll see it for a little bit longer and then they'll leave. And then maybe on the fifth time, they'll ask a question. Now you have a little bit of buzz, but remember you have to earn your audience. This is one of the hardest things for us all to remember about social media because there are ways that you can cheat. Absolutely. You can buy the followers. You can buy the engagement. You can buy the comments and and the likes. And a lot of people will do that. But if you really want to get to a place where your social media provides deals for you, you make money off of your social media profiles, you have to earn the audience. And that's going to take some time. So once you understand that, it becomes easier to be consistent because now there's not this short-term get-rich-quick thinking. You know it's going to take years. So that's okay if the first year you'd never get above 200 views, which leads me to the next point, which is context, context around your audience. Do you realize how many people 400 people are? Google it. Go on Google and say, show me how many people 400 people are. That's a frigging lot of people. That's so many people. And so a common objection that agents will pose when we talk about these things is, well, it's because I keep posting, but I only get 300 views. I only got 400 views and that gets them discouraged. I only got a hundred views. Ask any agent or ask yourself, maybe you do this, but have you ever thrown a buyer seminar? Agents do this all the time. They throw these first-time buyer seminars or investment seminars. How how often have you had 400 people show up to your seminar? The answer is probably never. How many times have you had 280 people show up to your first-time buyer seminar class that you give? The answer is probably never. Yet, we do the first-time buyer seminar And we get seven people and we feel great about that. But we do a post on social and it gets viewed by 337 people and we feel like shit. That makes no sense. We have it completely backwards. And the compound effect of 300 views here, 400 here, 200 here, 800 here when one kind of pops over time... That's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that see your stuff. And these platforms, let's not forget, they're free. We haven't even talked about ads, which is going to be a whole nother podcast in and of itself because that's a huge topic. We're just talking about posting organically to your feed every single day. Do you know how much it would cost for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to see an ad, to see your TV commercial, to hear your radio ad? It's so expensive, you guys. Trust me, I've been there. I've done the TV and the radio. I still do it, which surprises a lot of people, by the way, but it works great. It's so expensive. So expensive. I mean, we're talking five figures a month. $10,000, $12,000, 18000 a month for these campaigns that are hyper local to where if I can get a commercial during the primetime news and they say that it's going to be viewed 25,000 times a day or whatever, that's so expensive. But these platforms are free and once you learn how to use them, you can get so much exposure For no to very little money. But you have to understand the analytics, the insights, and have the proper context to know that you don't need millions of followers, you guys. You don't need millions of views. Because here's the unique thing about our business in our business, Every single customer is worth so much money that you don't need millions. If you can get one, two, three, four, five deals off of your Instagram, what would that do for your income? If every client is worth on average, let's say $10,000 That's unique to our business because let's say, for example, you sell t-shirts and you have this t-shirt company and you're all about your t-shirts. Well, if you're lucky, you might have 20% margins on a $30 t-shirt. 20% on $30 is $6. So if you're making $6 a shirt, how many shirts do you have to sell to make $10,000. Do the math. Actually, you don't even have to. Well, I'll tell you. You have to sell 1,666 shirts. At $30. With 20% margins to make ten grand. Almost 2,000 customers. Is what you need. In real estate, you need one. Just one. And you make the 10 grand. So here's where the analytics and the insights take on a whole different light. It's not about quantity of views or quantity of impressions, rather, it's about quality. If I can get 500 people in my local market to see me every single day, the compound effect of that is tremendous. And it's so much more valuable than getting 50,000 views in some random country because I bought this engagement service that I thought was going to make me look cool. We're talking about a social media strategy that translates to business, that translates to actual deals. And so the t-shirt analogy and how much effort would you have to put in To sell 2,000 shirts. How many people would you have to reach on a massive scale if 2% of the people that view your ad are going to buy the t-shirt? It's just the numbers are just wild. And that kind of exposure to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands at a very low conversion rate is very expensive. That's what's unique about our platform. So what are some of these KPIs? What are some of the tools for monitoring your engagement and your reach? It's where are the people located? What is the demographic? How many people that are not your followers are seeing your stuff? And are they local to you? It doesn't do me any good as a real estate agent in Utah for somebody in California to see my content, it doesn't do me any good. And some people will say, "Well, what about referrals and things like that? Just don't rationalize it. It doesn't do me any good. Is there a chance that somebody's going to need a referral that is sure. But we're talking about best bang for your buck. where to put your focus. Views in Wisconsin are not very valuable. I just don't think they are. I'm sorry. I think that the odds that views in Milwaukee are going to translate to deals in Utah, I think that probability is so small. I want people in my town, my county, to see my stuff. And there are millions of people, most likely where you live, unless you live in a small town. But here in Utah, where I'm at, Salt Lake City, metro area. There are millions of people here. And so because of the high value of every customer, we don't need hundreds or thousands. If you're listening to this as a real estate agent, if you can sell 50 homes a year, that's depending on your splits or whatever, but that's 35, $40,000 a month. You are in the top 1% in the world in income. The top 1% in the world is about $400,000 a year. Everybody thinks it's millions, but it's not. Google it. Around $400,000 a year in income is the top 1% in the country. That's 50, maybe 60 deals done properly. And so... You're going to hear me. I'm going to beat this like a dead horse because it's so important. When you talk about avoiding common pitfalls, this is probably the biggest one. It's the insecurity of the 97 views. You've got to avoid that. You have to avoid that. If the views, if your insights say that there are people within the age range that you want And your top cities are the cities that you are trying to target. They're cities where your potential clients live. You're doing it right. That's the KPI. That's the KPI. Don't don't get distracted by the flashy people, the flashy agents that get hundreds of thousands of views. They're probably buying them. And if they want to do it that way, that's fine. That's not your concern. I would argue That you are actually winning because while their views are coming from Nigeria, true story, yours are coming from your city and from your county. So I would argue that you're actually winning. Okay, now, another common objection is, Tony, I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I sound. I don't like watching my videos. It makes me feel insecure. Great. No worries. I've been there. You know what I did early on in my career? I wouldn't watch my videos. I wouldn't watch them. I would just record it and then if I got through the question, I wouldn't even think twice. I would just post it. Because if I watched it, I would start critiquing myself and trying to do it again and all of a sudden I'm 10 takes in and it's discouraging and I didn't want to spend this this much time on this and why can't I get it right? And it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. So I said, okay, as long as I got through the question decently well, I just posted it. I just, I didn't even think about it. And once I started getting questions and the little comment of, hey, great video, it started to boost my confidence a little bit. It really did. And to the point that now most of the content I make is in one take. I rarely have do-overs. I rarely have doovers. Why? Because I know what I'm talking about. I speak from experience, not from theory. So when somebody asks me a question, I can answer it on the spot. And the interesting thing is that you probably can too. You just don't know it yet. Because if you were in front of a buyer or a seller and they asked you a real estate question, odds are you'd answer it fairly well. But as soon as you turn on the camera, you freeze. We got to learn to not freeze and trust in your expertise, trust in your experience to provide the value. And so an important concept with that is you can't fake it till you make it. People will know, they'll know you're going to say something that is stupid. You're going to say something that either doesn't make sense or is not true. And people are going to find out I was guilty of this. So here's my case study when it comes to fake it till you make it. So I wanted to be a big shot. And I thought that a good topic for me would be talking about capital gains tax. So I started making videos about capital gains tax and it was hot because I was able to, I'm pretty good at creating hooks and and headlines. So I created this headline saying how to not pay any taxes when you sell your home. So for the real estate agents, if you're listening to this, you already know I should not be talking about that. You should not be talking about that. That is completely outside of your scope of practice and expertise. You don't talk taxes, but I did early in my career. And I started explaining how people could avoid paying taxes, what the capital gains taxes rules were and how to do it. And turns out I was so wrong. I was so wrong. And it took an actual accountant watching my videos and bless his heart. He didn't even comment on it, which he could have. He could have destroyed me in the comments, but he sent me a private message and he said, Hey, I saw your video on capital gains. I just want to let you know that that is incorrect. That is not how it works. And I remember he said at the end, I recommend you take that video down. And for a second, I was a little bit offended, but then I started thinking about it and I thought, man, I guess he's, I mean, he's the accountant. And so I actually asked what was wrong about it. And I remember he said, well, it's probably too long to text it to you, but we can jump on a phone call like 10 minutes later. He's like, Hey, I can just give you a call. So he calls me and he explains it. And he was a very nice man. He was very nice. He's like, look, dude, I'm, I'm not trying to like cause any trouble or anything. I just thought that maybe you should know because I've seen your videos and I know that, you know, you like doing these. I just thought you should know that what you're saying is not correct. And he explained where I was wrong. And I was, oh man, I was, it was so embarrassing. I was so off. But the reason I share this with you is because the reason I was making those videos is because I wanted to put up a front. I was trying to be more than I was. I was trying to be a tax expert when I was not. So stay in your lane. You know enough about real estate to provide value. Even if you're a new agent, you know more about real estate than probably 90% of the world. 90% of the world. You don't have to make up stuff. And you don't have to try and be shiny and fancy with knowledge that you don't have. You're going to make mistakes. And it's so embarrassing when you get called out for those mistakes and you lose the brand. You lose trust. You lose credibility because that one accountant messaged me. He had the guts to message me, but I don't know how many other accountants or how many other people that did know the correct capital gains tax rules, I don't know how many others saw it and realized that what I was talking was complete nonsense and I lost all credibility with them. I promise you, I lost every single ounce of credibility I had with those people and they'll never call me because they know. So the punchline is, Just stick to what you know, trust in your knowledge, seek to improve and elevate that knowledge, but trust it. Talk about what is going on right now. That's why it's such a good idea to talk about your deals. Talk about the questions. And as you do that, you will start to build this brand. And so those are some of the concepts, you guys, that have really helped me try to build a stronger brand on social media. There's going to be another segment to this where we'll talk a little bit more about content styles and the reel versus the story versus the post, like all of those things. But as you're starting out, I have found so much more important to have the proper context and the proper foundational mindset so that it can be done correctly. So that then you can go to build a content calendar and how to schedule it and how to stay consistent and how to adapt your content to trends or market fluctuations. It's so much easier to do that once you're seeing your content through the proper lens. And so what I would like to convey to you is the importance of figuring this out. And I'll close with this. This is where the attention is. If you don't figure this out, as the months and the years go by, you're going to be less and less and less relevant. You just are. And snot-nosed kids like myself, who may not be as good as you, are going to take your market share. So you need to learn it. You need to get in on the platforms and try it and play around with it and try to get as deep as you can and go on YouTube. And if the platform that you chose is Facebook and you don't know how to make a Facebook page or how to make a Facebook post, Google it, literally Google it, Google. How do I make an Instagram real? Just today, I was talking to somebody that does a lot of social media content and he didn't know how to make a green screen real on Instagram. He didn't know. He'd never done one of those before. So I showed him how to do it and he's like, wow, this is awesome. But you got to ask because he's seen other people do the green screen videos and he's like, oh, those are cool. I want to do that. I don't know how to do that. Find out how to do that and then try it and play around with it and don't worry about the views. You just got to get good in the same way that if you did radio or television, your first few spots. Or interviews or commercials probably sucked and you polished it over time. You polished it. Social media is no different, but the longer it takes you to figure this out, quite frankly, the more money you're losing. Thank you so much for joining me on the How to Be a Realtor podcast. If this was valuable, share it, pass it on, send it to all of your real estate buddies and we'll see you in the next episode.